Lucas, we are down to one week of regular season college football. It's arguably the best week. We talked a little bit about it last week. It is rivalry week. Uh, starts on Thursday with the Egg Bowl. Friday, some key matchups as well, including one for uh, for me, the Territorial Cup. And then obviously a full slate Saturday. The last week of college football is here, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing very, very well. It's a little bittersweet. I'm excited for the, the matchups this week. And we'll recap what uh, last weekend I didn't really go into a ton of um, – a ton of, uh, I guess, anticipation for a lot of the games last week, but it ended up being um, kind of a crazy slate in uh, in every window that I know we'll get to. But it's a little bittersweet. I was thinking about uh, yesterday, just how way back in like July we were doing uh, conference previews, just anticipating the start of the season, and now we only have one week left in the regular season. It's kind of surreal. Yeah, once we get to October, the season just flies by, man. I mean, yeah. you once you get in, into conference play, it just it it flies by. It's awesome. Um, it's 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 awesome in the moment, and then it it sucks. You know, looking back on it now, that we basically <laughs> have two more Saturdays of college football, and then we get into our uh, our bowl season. So Lucas and I are going to keep it very light tonight. We'll give out some roses. We'll uh, recap Week Twelve and preview week 13 sprinkling some coaching nuggets here and there's really by i mean lucas by this time next week we'll we'll have some jobs filled right Mm -hmm. i mean certainly we you know you'll have black sunday black monday where i think you'll see some more power five jobs open up potentially west virginia is one that kind of jumps to mind um uh so you'll see some jobs open but you'll also see coaches making the jump right remember lincoln riley like it was like the the morning after bedlam yes uh, was announced at USC like that that Sunday morning after Thanksgiving. So it will happen very quick. I think you've had so many openings for so long. Um, we'll get some head coaching movements here uh, uh, pretty quick. No, it, that was that was so nuts. It felt like he, I feel like he literally had his press conference just like twelve hours after Bedlam ended. He was already in LA. Um, yeah, and I'm wondering if we're going to have any moves like last year. I mean, last year I don't think it's going to be topped just the amount of coaches that that switched, especially at the jobs they had left. But um, there's always one or two surprises, I feel like, every every coaching cycle. For sure. All right, let's give out some roses here. It's celebrating the best of the best of the week in college football. We each give out one. It could be a team. It could be a player. It could be a coach. It could be really anything. So, Lucas, I will, uh, I will let you go first and uh, touch on one of the bigger games, the biggest upset of last weekend. Yeah, so I, I'm going to give to a person I never thought I was going to give one to this entire season, and that is uh, Spencer Rattler, um, who, with all the hype coming in to South Carolina, really wasn't having a fantastic year uh, at all. I mean, South Carolina's offense has been somewhat dreadful uh, for most of the season. However, you could argue he played the best game of his entire career uh, so far, including his stand at Oklahoma um, and what was – you mentioned the biggest upset of the weekend. South Carolina puts up 63 points on Tennessee. Um, and Spencer Rattler was 30 of 30 or 37, 438 yards, six touchdown passes. Um, he just looked really, really good. And South Carolina had their way and did absolutely everything they wanted to to Tennessee, who I think was kind of looking ahead uh, a little bit. Maybe not so much to Vanderbilt, but I think they, they honestly just felt like they could kind of scoot through these final two games and set themselves up for position in the playoff. But yeah, Spencer Rattler, um, like I said, this came out of nowhere. South Carolina, I believe, had not eclipsed 300 yards in their previous three games and had over 600 yards against Tennessee, and he was a big reason why. So that is why I am giving uh, my rose to us to Spencer Rattler. Yeah, one of the more crazy performances of the weekend, one of the more crazy results. You just kept looking and they just kept scoring. They had I think, 21 in the first quarter. Um, Tennessee looked like they were going to come back, and then South Carolina blitzes them in the second half. So good for Spencer Rattler, five-star quarterback, number one quarterback in his class. He's faced some adversity and uh, really um, a nice performance in his last home game, uh, at least maybe his last home game. We'll see if he comes back for his fifth year at South Carolina, second year at South Carolina, fifth year overall. I'm giving my rose to TCU kicker Griffin Kell for a fire drill kick to keep the Horn Frogs undefeated. Um, for those that didn't see, Baylor was was neck and neck with TCU all game. TCU on a third down with about 20 seconds left decides 
shockingly to run the football on third and like eight. They get stopped a couple yards before the line of scrimmage and they have to run their field goal unit on and attempt a 40 yard field goal to keep their undefeated season alive, keep their playoff hopes alive. And Griffin Kell, who had missed an extra point earlier in the game, hadn't attempted a field goal all game. Ice in his veins puts it right through. TCU stays undefeated. They're 11 and 0. Um, and uh, keeps some uh, just a magical season around. I mean, we we keep thinking just to touch on TCU that like eventually the luck runs out. I think TCU's won like seven one score games this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a program that wins a lot of close games, and uh, it continued. Baylor does cover the two and a half point spread, but TCU gets the win, and Griffin Kell gets my rose. I think it's funny you mentioned that the seven one win games. So they're basically the anti Nebraska. Of, uh, of 2022. This is what Nebraska season would have been last year. Yeah. If they won those games. That's all I'm saying. Not to run yeah. it into Tosca's fans. <laughs> uh, Lucas, let's touch on some coaching rumors here. Um, we are, we are about a week out here. We are recording this Tuesday, November 22nd on Tuesday, November 29th. My guess is a handful of jobs will be, will be uh, open or I'm sorry, will be open and will be closed. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of Lane Kiffin to Auburn smoke. There was a report from a local TV journalist that Lane Kiffin had some fun with the other night about how Lane Kiffin to Auburn is done. He's going to resign on Friday and be named the head coach, maybe even before the Iron Bowl. You sent me a report that Mickey Joseph is in contention, not for the Nebraska job, for the Arizona State job. Uh, ASU's had some names being thrown around there as well. Kenny Dillingham, Jim Moore Jr., uh, Mickey Joseph among them. Bronco Mendenhall popping up at Nebraska. Um, it is, it is, it is rumor season. I, I, I feel like a lot of, I feel like a lot of uh, the coaching rumors have been kind of subdued during the season. Mm-hmm. Like I think less than what I expected, but we are, uh, we're getting there, man. We are, we are, we are getting there, and expect a lot of movement in the next few days. Yeah, and the, the whole Lane Kiffin thing was just wild last night. Uh, person. I can't remember the writer. He, he was pretty uh, pretty self-assured that it was going to happen. I was on Auburn's 24-7 boards. Everyone on there all was, was saying the same thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, I don't know if it's going to happen. It'd be a, it'd not be, it would not be a great look if it did. But, you know, when, when we saw that last night, it just reminded me of, of when Mel Tucker uh, was – being pursued by Michigan State, he came out on Twitter personally. He was just like, "I'm flattered, but um, I'm happy to be the head coach at Colorado." And then two days later, ends up leaving for that said job. It feels State. like a little bit like a one last negotiation tactic. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I'm going to put out publicly, I'm happy here. I want to retire here. It's my dream job because I need either you know extra you know staff pool. Or I need an extra $1.5 million annually, or I need bonus something. It feels like a, that last little negotiation tactic. And I wonder if that's what Lane is pulling here. Yeah, it could be it very, very well. Uh, much could be. And you mentioned, uh, you mentioned the ASU job. You know, you, we talked about, um, you know, Mickey Joseph potentially being a candidate there. Is that, I mean, what are your thoughts on, <laughs> I don't know really much about Mickey Joseph. I know he was at LSU under Ed Orgeron. He was the wide receivers coach there. I'm assuming he was the wide receivers coach coaching guys like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, but I don't know that for sure. Um, I think he's done a decent job at Nebraska. Uh, it's his first year there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't know. It seems like a strange name to be thrown out there, right? It seems like a strange name to be connected to Arizona State. I don't believe he has any ties to Arizona State. I could be wrong on that, but doesn't I, I don't remember the name popping up anywhere and I've been following ASU for you know 15 20ish years now um very uh, I heard that name a couple weeks ago on cover three I, I think one of the guys put it out there that Mickey Joseph was um, being rumored to Arizona State I, I I still think there was a report today I think from the ASU rivals site that Kenny Dillingham is picking up some steam as well um so I think one of the things that's interesting is if ASU holds off on hiring a coach, then it, it might in fact be Dillingham because Dillingham is on track to make the Pac-12 championship game, which was, I believe, next Friday mm-hmm. in Las Vegas, 
if they beat Oregon State this week, Oregon clinches a spot in the Pac-12 championship. Um, but listen, ASU, you, you've had months to do this. You've had just about two months to, to get your ducks in a row to figure out your how much money you can offer and, and, and assistant pay and structure and and it's it and it, it it's time. But you know, Lucas, I was at Arizona State, Oregon State on um on Saturday with some friends from some friends from college and, and man, it was it was just a dead atmosphere. I mean, my goodness, it was homecoming in November, which was weird. That's um, very late to have a homecoming. Very late for homecoming. Um, and the stadium was maybe two thirds full, more likely like fifty five percent full, a lot of Oregon State fans. Just no energy, no energy throughout the game. Not a great student section showing. There were uh, reports that Ray Anderson got into like a verbal altercation with a fan on the sidelines because he overheard the fan saying that this will be Ray's last game. Just it's it's just weird vibes at Arizona State, man. I have no idea what to think of the hire they'll make, who they're targeting, if it's an assistant, if it's a. I mean, it, it could literally be. It could be anyone. It could be. It could be Terrell Suggs. It could be Jake Plummer. Like I don't know. Um, it's just weird vibes all around. Uh, one one person that I'm intrigued by is uh, Brent Key at Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, Georgia Tech, we'll you know get to it here in a little bit. They beat North Carolina. They're five and six. Uh, he's done a really nice job there. I mean, they have besides when you bet them against Miami, they've looked really good the last the last handful of weeks. I saw that they just they just picked up a local quarterback commit in next year's cycle twenty four. So I wonder if if people are being told like, hey, I know Jamie Chadwell is also involved mm-hmm. in there. I, I I would doubt if Dion is really seriously involved there just because of the academic restrictions that that their uh, recruits face. But Brent Key is a guy that may end up being the interim guy. Him and him and Jim Leonard and I want to get your thoughts on Wisconsin here in a minute. But it, it seems like we could have a couple interim coaches that make the jump to full time. Yeah, and Brent Key, we we had you know, touched on that a little bit on our, on our pod a couple of weeks ago when we were going through kind of the coaching carousel. And I mentioned, Hey, like, you know, Brent key might not be a bad play here. And look, he's four and three since he took them over. Um, they could technically, it probably won't happen, but they could become bowl eligible if they beat Georgia. <laughs> Talk about the biggest upset of the year. If that were to happen, boy, oh boy, that would be, that would be incredible. <laughs> but uh, no, he's four and three to just put that in perspective. Jeff Collins never won more than three games the previous three seasons. Uh, Brent Key's the head coach for seven games in an interim role and has, has already won four. Um, so I think he's just rejuvenated. This this program looked like it was ready to just quit, maybe be 1-11, 2-10 this year, and just focus. Um, so I think you really got to give him uh, him kudos. So, yeah, they have an interesting choice here. He, you know, long history was at UCF. For a long time under George O'Leary. He was Alabama's offensive line coach for three years. So you do have somewhat of a saving connection there, you know, before he came down to Georgia Tech. So, um, you know, I think he's probably pretty well suited for it. He's been an assistant. This is the third time he's been an assistant head coach. Um, if he doesn't get the job here at Georgia Tech, it would not be shocked if you saw him uh, get, especially in that part of the country, get maybe some looks from maybe some group of five teams down there. Yep. What are your thoughts on uh, on Jim Leonard? We talked a little bit about last week, or we texted this weekend, and you were kind of telling me that Wisconsin flirted with some big names, maybe made some outreaches to Luke Fickles and some of some of those guys. Um, still thinking they end up with Jim Leonard, or what do you think about Wisconsin? Yeah, I, to me, the only thing that's missing is really the announcement and the press conference. Um, so basically, after. Um, the win against Nebraska, uh, the comeback win against Nebraska um, on Saturday. About four or five hours later, they posted the position as available um, on like the on like the university website. And so, state law in Wisconsin is you have to have a job posting. A public job posting needs to be posted for seven days before you can officially make a hire to allow applicants and everything like that. And previously with their last two, three head coaching offers, it all coincided. They posted that pretty much when they knew that they had a candidate. And right when that deadline was done, um, a head coach was named. It was Sam under Paul Chris, Gary Anderson. Um, So it's usually a good hearing that they have their guy. 
And I don't think it was a coincidence that they did it immediately after they clinched bowl eligibility. Um, and everything that I've read still is pointing to him getting the job. I know um, Evan Flood, the 24-7 writer, has all, all of his sources have indicated that that is the case. Um, and even recruiting, uh, a lot of the recruits have been basically told, not that it's official, but they all of them have said they've hinted at that he will be the next head coach. So I think he's earned it. Um, I know there was rumors that they potentially made a run. It sounds like at Luke Fickle. Um, I had heard on coachingscoop.com that they were going after um, what they called a hot coaching candidate over the last few years. Um, that was currently at a, at a group of five program. So, um, so I think they went for him. And then when he, that was turned down kind of the, the home run hire, uh, they went for what, what I think they still think is a for sure, uh, a for sure good hire in Jim Leonard. And I agree. I think what he's done, especially if he wins this week, he gets the ax, he'll be five and two as the interim and really has turned around a team that looked like he had completely quit after they had fired Paul Chris. So I think that's where it's leading. Um, like I said, I'm about 99% done. I would be shocked if it's anybody but him uh, on Sunday when they announce it. Fair enough. Fair mm-hmm. enough. It'll be interesting to see. All right, let's go. Let's recap some uh, week 12 action. We're going to go conference by conference here, quickly touch on all of the big games and some conference action here as we, we get our, our final week of the regular season upcoming and then conference championship weeks here thereafter. We'll start in the Pac-12. Two big matchups, USC and UCLA, just an absolute classic. USC 48, UCLA 45. Caleb Williams, awesome in this game. Jordan Addison, 178 yards. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I thought, was it was a microcosm for his season. I mean, he, he tried to keep them in it as best he could. UCLA just not at the talent level of USC, but just too many costly turnovers i mean mm-hmm. a couple costly interceptions the one at the end of the game sealed it he had a couple in the first half and you just you know ucla was up 14 nothing like we we saw usc kind of with their backs to the wall and get pushed a little bit uh the line was two and a half they won by three um but we talked about last week you know usc had a real chance to to make an impression on the selection committee they had ucla this week they host notre dame uh this week ucla last week host notre dame this week potential Pac-12 championship game against Oregon next week. What were your thoughts on the Trojans and the Bruins? Yeah, kind of like uh, this was a game I was just kind of checking in and watched largely a, a good chunk of the end and, and kind of the same like you, you had pretty much said. Uh, it just felt like USC was the most talented team uh, by far on the schedule, which it should be with the amount of transfers and the type of recruits they brought in, even, even before uh, Lincoln Riley had gotten there. And – you know, it was the game that we all expected. It was a high-scoring affair. Um, neither defense really had much answer for, for either offense. And I think it – and Caleb Williams is just so damn good. Like, just that whole game was just a highlight of just his entire game. He throws for almost 500 yards. Um, and it really – after that 14 nothing lead, it really just didn't seem like UCLA had an answer for USC really throughout the rest of the night. And – um, yeah, kudos to USC. They're a game away. Um, you, you mentioned Notre Dame. They've already clinched their spot in the Pac-12 title game, and it sets up a huge. Uh, you know, if they win, I think they're. I think if they win out, I think they have a really good case um, for a college football playoff spot. So, so kudos to them because this was really like we mentioned outside of Utah. You know, this was a game that they just had to have. I think if they win out there in, they have a, a one-point loss on the road against a top-25 team as their only blemish. They'd have a couple ranked wins. And, and going into Selection Sunday with three really impressive wins, assuming UCLA wins this week, they get to 9-3, and three, and they, maybe they beat a, a 10-win Oregon team in Las Vegas. A couple other results in the Pac-12. Lucas, Oregon beats Utah 20-17. to 17. Bo Nix comes back. Um, throws for 287 yards. Bo Nick still just kind of hampered a little bit by that ankle injury. Uh, his status up in the air for Oregon State. That's something to watch because the Beavers are 8-3. and three. They trounce Arizona State 31-7. Washington, a big-time winner over Colorado. Washington State beats Arizona in Tucson. And then Cal Stanford. And you bet the under in Cal Stanford, correct? Yes. Don't, so, don't remind me about you. This. I'm just going to bring it up for the viewers. You can take the headphones off and get a drink of water if you want in your beautiful Nashville home, sir. 
perhaps the worst beat of the college football season and one of the weirdest situations. So Stanford is down 27 to 17 and they attempt a 61 yard field goal as time with like three, four, five seconds left, whatever it is. The total is set at 46 or 46 and a half, 46 and a half. It's 44 with 27, 17. The Stanford kicker drills the field goal to make it 27, a meaningless field goal, 27-20, and the over hits. Cal is over here celebrating they just won. Stanford is celebrating a made field goal. Weird stuff in the um, the battle up there in the Bay. Cal beats Stanford. Uh, Lucas, I think the good news is uh, our Stanford under 4.5 officially cashed, if that makes you feel any better. Cardinal <laughs> are 3-8 uh, and eight and host uh, – BYU uh, yeah. next week. Uh, let's move on to the uh, the SEC here. We, we had talked about it being kind of the the bye week in, in the SEC. Uh, Georgia beats Kentucky in an ugly one, uh, 16-6. Tennessee upset at South Carolina. LSU rolls UAB. Alabama rolls Austin P. Uh, boy, Arkansas just thrashing Ole Miss, 42-27. That game was not um, – was not as close as the final score would indicate. Raheem Sanders rushes for over 230 yards. Mississippi State uh, knocks off East Tennessee State. Uh, Texas A&M <laughs> beats, uh, beats UMass 20-3. to uh, So con- congrats to A&M for, for getting a win. And there was a, there was a list of all the teams that scored more points than UMass. And it was, it was or more points against UMass than Texas A&M. It was, it was quite a list. Um, only other really notable one, uh, Florida losing to Vanderbilt. First time since 1988, Florida loses in Nashville. I had a, a, a work friend that was at that game as a hmm. Florida alum, and he was he was not happy. Um, Lucas, let's touch on a couple games here real quick. Georgia, Kentucky, anything to be worried about for you for Georgia? Do you think this was kind of another look-ahead spot? They're just trying to get to Atlanta. They struggle offensively against a Kentucky team that really – uh, I don't think it's been good, has has not been as good as recent Kentucky teams. Yeah, I think it's a little worrisome. I mean, since Bennett really struggled in this game, was 13 of 19 for only 116 yards uh, with a pick. Once again, I think we've seen this. Uh, it kind of reminded me how sluggish they came out against Mizzou, especially in that first half. They were able to do that. I think they knew they were in control of this game. Um, Kentucky really never showed a whole lot uh, in terms of, offensively to, to put really kind of a scare in them. And I just think this was just one of those. They felt like they were in, in control and didn't really feel the need to, to try to maybe put, um, you know, maybe go on the gas or to do an extra gear. I guess maybe the worry is, is was that intentional or was it just, they didn't have that extra gear to go to in that moment. And yeah, there's been a couple of spots this year where it's this game Mizzou. You can even look back to Kent state where, Georgia just didn't look that impressive, and I just don't know if they're bored um, or uh, or if this is a sign of bigger things to come. Um, I guess we'll see against a Georgia Tech team. Remember, Georgia Tech is a rivalry game. Maybe they come out strong, but Georgia Tech includes a bowl game. Uh, so you know they're going to come out and playing really, really hard. I'm not too worried about Georgia because, um, like I said, if, if they show up this way against LSU, they might lose. Um, but I think – they might just be kind of playing with their food because they might just be bored right now. Um, we touched on South Carolina beating Tennessee 63-38. Unfortunately for Tennessee, Hendon Hooker goes down with a torn ACL, uh, likely ending his, his collegiate career. Hendon most likely off to the NFL draft. Tough end to a spectacular season for Hendon Hooker. Tennessee probably loses out on a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, I think the the – most people believe Alabama and LSU will be in the New Year's Six from the SEC. Two teams they beat. Two teams. That's true. <laughs> Interesting. That's a good point. Um, Vanderbilt, Clark Lee has that team at five and six. There will they will also compete for bowl eligibility next week against Tennessee. Billy Napier, what a weird first season for Billy Napier. I mean, they're six and five. They play Florida State uh, this week. That game is in Tallahassee potentially facing six and six for Billy Napier. And I don't know what to think about Billy Napier, right? They get the big win against Utah week one, but nothing really else stood out about this team. They 
played Georgia somewhat competitively. They played Tennessee somewhat competitively. Um, you know, a, a, a bad loss to Vanderbilt gets you to six and five, and, and maybe you're six and six mm-hmm. in, in year one under Billy Napier. Yeah, I thought that I think that's a good point. Yeah, after Utah, I mean, they've just been somewhat inconsistent. I mean, after that Utah game, I felt like we were, oh, it was Anthony Richardson a dark horse? And then he was just awful against the Kentucky team the week after. And even so, even after that Georgia game, you look, double-digit wins, uh, uh, multiple score wins against Texas A&M. They crushed South Carolina, who just put up 63 points. They beat them 38-6. to And you kind of let up a dud. I mean, you look at the, you know, the final score sheet of this game, and you know, Florida, when it comes to yardage, they had almost 200. They had over 150 more yards of offense. Um, but they gave up 175 on the ground. They gave up, I believe it was uh, a couple scooping scores and just not timely turnovers. That's really kind of the recipe for how you get upset. But kudos to Vanderbilt. Um, after getting their their first win, their SEC win in like four years, uh, they didn't have to wait very long. They upset a team that they couldn't wait. They're now five and six. Could potentially, not saying it could happen, but they do uh, play Tennessee, obviously with no hand in hooker see how that impacts but we mentioned a long shot for georgia tech vanderbilt and that same thing uh they're one win away from being bowl eligible but i think even if they don't do that a really nice second year for uh for clark lee and i'm really excited to see where he takes them in year three um because there was a ton of growth um from year one all right lucas moving on to the big 10 here uh both of the Premier brands, uh, both of the top five teams struggling. Ohio State on the road uh, has their hands full with Maryland. It's a one-score game most of the game. Ohio State ends up winning by 13. Uh, they get a late defensive touchdown to extend the lead of double digits. Meanwhile, Michigan uh, needs every little bit of offense they can muster. Four field goals, one touchdown, in a 19-17 to win over Illinois. Trailed most of the fourth quarter end up getting a late field goal to pull ahead. What were your takeaways from Michigan and Ohio State? Blake Corum goes down, doesn't really play much of the second half against uh, the fight in the line eye. Um, what are your thoughts on those two teams heading into a, a gigantic game this weekend? Yeah, I think first off with the Illinois-Michigan game, you know, one, Michigan, very lucky, one, obviously getting a, a game winning field goal, but two being in that position, they were, they had a fourth and I think five, uh, a pretty blatant offense pass interference uh, call was, was, was not thrown. They ended up getting the first down. Um, but then uh, they ended up kicking the field goal, but I think they were both playing teams. One that had a lot on the line, you know, Illinois basically to stay in the big 10 West race had to win that game. Um, unfortunately with that loss, um, now they are um, on the outside looking in. And then a team like Maryland, who had lost, started off 6-2, and two, had lost three in a row, um, was looking to try to get a statement win for, for Mike Loxley. That is, um, you can make an argument that Maryland might have the second-best offense in the Big Ten behind Ohio State. Um, but I think clearly, like, it's a little worrisome, I think, for Ohio State because um, I think our, our issue has always been on the defensive side of the ball when they go up. Um against teams that have uh, pretty good skill on that side. They gave up a lot. Uh, Talia uh, Tugavailoa had a very nice game until the end. And then with Michigan, you know, are they going to be explosive enough to keep up with Ohio State? I mean, Illinois has a pretty darn good defense. Um, but I don't – but they're not going to win against Ohio State in that type of performance. And I think both just kind of had a look ahead, I think, a little bit too, knowing that that game was coming up. They knew they just had to win uh, against Michigan or against Maryland and against Illinois. And I think so. It was, I think it was a combination of all, all factors. Yeah. I'm a little worried about Michigan's offense. I think especially if Blake Corum is hampered or, or can't carry the load he normally would. I don't know. They're really not explosive. JJ McCarthy missed some bad throws in that fourth quarter against Illinois. Um, I worry about can, can Michigan, Mich- can Michigan keep up? You know, if Ohio State gets into the 30s, can Michigan get there? I think the over-under is in like the mid-50s in that game. But if you're Ohio State, if you get 31, can can Michigan get 34 if Blake Corm can only get 15 touches or whatever it is? So it will be uh, – it'll be interesting. 
Um, the other game I, I wanted to touch on is Iowa, Minnesota for two reasons. One, first FBS football game since 1986 to not involve a penalty. Zero penalties wow. on either team in that game. Fun fact for I saw it on Twitter today. The other, and this is this is absolutely bog like boggles my mind. Iowa controls their own destiny in the Big Ten West. Uh, don't even get started. If Iowa, um, they win. If Iowa beats Nebraska. I forgot who they played for a second. Iowa beats Nebraska. They will play for the second straight year in the Big Ten championship game at eight and four. <laughs> With all of the jokes we've had, I wish y'all could see Lucas's face right now. With all the jokes we've had on on Iowa's offense and the ineptness and can't move the ball and the nine to six loss to Illinois, we could be seeing this offense in Indianapolis. Now I did see Sam Laporta, their best offensive player, is out for this game. Mickey Joseph's last stand with Nebraska. We'll see what happens, but just craziness that when the dust settles, this could be Iowa coming out of the Big Ten West. And the thing is, is like nothing's really changed about their team. Like, it wasn't like they had this offensive renaissance. I guess for Iowa, getting almost 300 yards in a conference game, I guess, could be considered because their offense was so bad. (laughs) But it's like they're the same team. They just – I kind of look at it like their team last year, like their seasons have had kind of almost reversed. So, like, last year they came out, what was it, 6-0, Yep. They weren't really explosive offensively, but they got really timely turnovers, um, and they took advantage of them. That's literally what they're doing now. Their defense has been is one of the best in the country, and they did again. Uh, I mean, Minnesota was able to run for over 300 yards and averaged over six yards a carry. Mar Ibrahim had 260 yards on the ground, and um, but Minnesota had. I believe uh, they had a pick that almost got returned for a touchdown. Uh, and then Mo Ibrahim had a fumble deep in Iowa territory that took away two scoring opportunities for Minnesota. So, um, yeah, it's nuts to me that they're probably going to be representing in Indy again for a second straight year when just out of nowhere. Um, you know, Illinois looked like a lock a few weeks ago um, after they beat Iowa. And now it's I mean, kudos to them for hanging it together. But it, it just is kind of maddening because they they're basically still the same team they were when they were three and four they just have found ways to win so kudos to them illinois is going to look back on that loss to michigan state in the 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 week after michigan state played michigan they suspended like eight players illinois had them at home and they lose that game 23 15 they're going to look back on that and be like what the hell we cost ourselves a chance not only at a big 10 championship uh, uh probably a better bowl if you get to that game so and the let's thing move that, on oh Go ahead. i was just gonna say i mean if you would have told like they're probably gonna finish eight and four they play northwestern this week and if you would have told any illinois fan for yeah. the end of the year would you take eight and four i think 100 percent of them would um unfortunately like we like you mentioned losing four out of your last five though is gonna be a yeah tough pill to swallow it's all micro macro in, in college football, right? If you mm-hmm. tell somebody at the end of the season, you'll be 10 and two great. But if it's 10 and zero, and then you lose your last two by 30 points each, it's like, what the hell happened? So uh, let's move on to the ACC. Not, not a ton of noteworthy games in the ACC. Miami looks dismal again on offense. They lose by 30 to Clemson in death Valley. Uh, Notre Dame throttles, Boston college, 44, zero Florida state throttles, Louisiana, 49, 17. Louisville beats NC State, the the uh, the Wolfpack, just in a free fall um, uh, without Devin Leary. Virginia Tech snaps a seven-game losing streak. And I don't know what's happened to Liberty, but Liberty is is, is falling apart. Uh, Virginia Tech beats Liberty 23-22. Pitt over Duke 28-26. Wake Forest, a nice bounce back after, I think, three straight losses. They beat Syracuse 45-35. And the game I want to touch on real quick, we touched on it a little bit earlier, is is North Carolina. I mean, we I talked on this podcast. I was like, man, how underrated is North Carolina? Drake May is awesome. They score. And they put up just a complete dud at home against Georgia Tech, 21-17. Drake May's worst game of his collegiate career. Only throws for 202 passing yards. North Carolina is up 17-0 in this mm-hmm. game. They're up 17-0. And you're thinking they're going to cruise to this one. And Georgia Tech, credit Brent Key, credit to that staff, credit to those players. Without, I think they're two top quarterbacks. Um, 
they find a way to get a win. And North Carolina, listen, not a ton, I think, changes for them. I don't know if they were going to be a playoff team, but certainly this hurts their chances at the New Year's Six, assuming they lose to Clemson. And not an easy test this week. They play North Carolina State. So mm-hmm. real, real quick, what are your thoughts on the Tar Heels? Yeah, it was the same thing. I watched the kind of the highlights of that game, and you know, North Carolina was only four, four fourteen on third down. Um, yeah, it just like you mentioned, it was a game. It looked like they were gonna gonna control, but probably good in hindsight because I think I would have just had a massive headache uh, trying to convince myself that North Carolina at eleven and one should have a legit shot at a, at a playoff berth, uh, especially considering how they've won some of their games this year. Um, but no, I think just like you mentioned, kudos to, to Georgia Tech in this defense. This is a North Carolina offense that puts up 40 almost like clockwork each week, uh, no matter who they're facing. Um, the fact that you were down 17 and were able to basically shut them out in the whole second half, um, it's great. But just another one of these, it's kind of how North Carolina has been, um, just kind of another head scratching loss, uh, very similar to when they got absolutely trounced by Notre Dame when Notre Dame had losses already to Stanford and in Marshall already on, on the docket. So just kind of a crazy year, good bounce back year for North Carolina. They got a chance to finish 10 and two, but this is going to be a game. I think looking back years from now, it's like, really you lost to Georgia tech uh, when you had a potential, I'm not like, I like you mentioned, don't think a one loss North Carolina team gets into the college football playoff, but um they were putting themselves if there was some help um so yeah just kind of an odd odd game from them all right we'll wrap here talking about the big 12 tcu over baylor kansas state uh beats west virginia to move closer to the big 12 championship game uh oklahoma gets a nice win at home in bedlam oklahoma state in complete and utter free fall sooners were up at 1.28-0 they beat they uh beat oklahoma state 28-13, Texas uh, boat races Kansas 55-14, and Texas Tech beats Iowa State 14-10. to Lucas, one of the things you, you texted me today is Iowa State uh, has not gone well for Matt Campbell. They lost a lot from that 2021 team. Brees Hall, Brock Purdy, uh, Charlie Kohler, the tight end, and they are, I think, four and seven. They are in last place in the Big Ten, in the Big 12 but they have a win over potential big 10 West champion, Iowa. <laughs> um, a brutal part about Iowa state too. So they're one in seven in conference play. Six of those were by one score. Oh, wow. So they are the Nebraska so of the, big they 12. are the Nebraska of the big 12. And um, apparently offense just doesn't exist in the state of Iowa. Cause neither yeah. one of those damn teams can move the ball to save their mm-hmm. life. Uh, anything else real quick before we move on to week 13 from the big 12? Uh, I was just going to say Oklahoma, Oklahoma state. It's just, it just seems like after that, the top two or three teams in the big 12, I have no idea how that, how good some of these teams are. They just, once you get a read on them, uh, it's wrong. You know, Spencer Sanders has a dismal game through 67 times. That's four picks against Oklahoma. As, as, uh, we were talking last week, Mike Gundy just, I think he's I think he's like three and fifteen lifetime against uh, against Oklahoma, still struggling there. Um, but good rebound for Texas um, after that tough loss against TCU last week. I picked Kansas plus nine and a half. Uh, this game was never close. <laughs> this guy I think it was thirty five nothing at halftime. So um, you know TCU Baylor was obviously the big game of the day, uh, but it looks like. You know, right now, it looks like we're setting up for TCU-Kansas State um, in the Big 12 title game in a couple weeks. Yeah, TCU, one more team to get through. They will play last place Iowa State on the, uh, I think, I believe they're at home uh, in Fort Worth, but that will be an interesting one in the Big 12. All right, let's move on to Week 13. It is rivalry week. Um, probably my favorite weekend of the year. Unfortunately, I work all day Friday and Saturday, but still, I will try to catch as much as I can. <laughs> It starts on the Thanksgiving night with the Egg Bowl, Ole Miss and Mississippi State from Oxford. That is a 7 o'clock Eastern kickoff on ESPN. Uh, Lucas, one word. Is this Lane Kiffin's last game at Ole Miss? Oh, 
No. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm, I'm just going to say straight. Sounds like he already had a talk with his team today um, to quell any, any of the rumors. So uh, uh, this truly is my favorite time of year, man. Oh, it's so good. Just the, uh, the, the tracking, the private jets and the, the rental cars from Oxford to Auburn. And uh, it's so great uh, to me. Like, I just think this is going to be another year. He's going to get another contract extension, probably worth $10 million. Who the hell knows anymore? Yeah. Um, I think it's going to, I think it's just, I don't think something happens that publicly and you're able to slip, but who knows? Tommy Tuberville did, I believe the same thing. So um, I don't know if he left Ole Miss, but I remember he told them basically he was not leaving anytime soon. And then two days later he was in Auburn. So it could be, but I'm going to say no. My gut just tells me not to go on that one. All right. On Friday, really fun slate on Friday. Tulane at Cincinnati. That has major implications in the American in terms of who gets the group of five New Year's six spot. That is a noon Eastern on ABC. Baylor at Texas. Uh, noon Eastern ESPN. Uh, moving on to the afternoon slate, Arizona State in Arizona. Just a dreadful, dreadful affair. 3 o'clock Eastern on FS1. <laughs> 3.30 Eastern, NC State at North Carolina on ABC. Arkansas at Missouri, 3.30 Eastern on uh, CBS. Nebraska and Iowa, 4 o'clock Eastern on the Big Ten Network. UCLA at Cal at 4.30 on Fox. And the uh, the evening, Florida and Florida State, 7.30 Eastern on ABC. Um, Lucas, Arizona, Arizona State. I mean, both nothing for grabs in that one. Uh, both teams are four and seven. Arizona hasn't beaten Arizona State since I believe 2016. This ASU team looks completely done. I mean, they just look completely toast. I think Arizona still has a pulse, but really will be one of the more sadder territorial cup games that I can remember. Both teams just nothing, nothing to play nothing for. Cool. Um, what else from Friday excites you looking at, at that slate? Yeah, I think um, one. I I I think uh, Florida State, Florida. I think could be a potentially fun game. Florida State's been just been playing really, really well. Um, they had lost three in a row uh, in October. Uh, but since then, I mean, they've just absolutely piss pounded every team that they faced. Um, Arkansas at Mizzou. I'm going to be watching that one probably closely. I have Mizzou win total over five and a half. Um, so if they win, they can cash that a little bit worried because Arkansas looked good last week, but. What's that? I said you need it right there, oh, right? They're 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 five and six. I do, and then also just um, uh, let me see here. Um, yeah, Nebraska at Iowa, just to see if Iowa can finish it. Does Nebraska give them a run? We mentioned Matt Laporta um, is out for that game. Uh, that's really the only weapon. I mean, last week watching that game, he was really the only person Iowa targeted on offense for yeah. the big plays. So I am going to be very intrigued to see who the hell they throw the ball to um, when he's not in there. And Nebraska, like, you know, we mentioned Mickey Joseph, probably not the guy, but I think that team loves playing for him. And I think they want to end with him on a good note and end the season on somewhat of a positive note. So intrigued to watch, uh, to watch that game as well. All right, let's move on to the, to Saturday, November 26th in the noon slate, Georgia tech at Georgia. Uh, South Carolina at Clemson, West Virginia at Oklahoma State, Rutgers at Maryland, and the big one, the game of the day, Michigan at Ohio State. Uh, first time since I think the mid-2000s that both teams are 11-0. and Lucas, I'm going to make a pick on this game um, when we do our picks, but what what is your read on this one? I'll just – I think Ohio State is, is, is going to win this game, and I, I think they could win it going away. I don't know if Michigan has the horses offensively to keep up. I think Ohio State on paper, probably the best offense in the country. I think there is some some sourness from how last season ended when Ohio State lost to Michigan and had to see them storm the field and see Michigan in the playoff and Ohio State going to the Rose Bowl where half their team opted out. So I think Ohio State's motivated. I think they're at home. And I just I don't see I can't see Michigan scoring enough to keep up with Ohio State. Yeah, you made a like a good point. Ohio State has had, like you mentioned, has had this this game this game circled for Ohio State every year, but I think specifically more with guys like C.J. Stroud, uh, 
you know, uh, Jackson Smith and Jig, but guys who were there and experienced this game, they don't want that feeling. I think it's a big reason why they maybe had a little bit of a letdown against Maryland last week. But if anything, what we've seen is when Ohio State has had games like that, they usually come out uh, pretty aggressive to ensure that uh, the game isn't close in the end. So I agree with you. Michigan, just their pass game just doesn't really frighten me. And that's not a good recipe when you're going up against Ohio State. You're probably going to have to score I don't know, 30-ish plus points in order to win this game. And I don't know if Michigan's going to be able to run the ball like they did last year um, against Ohio State because I do think this defense is improved. So I'm, I'm kind of on the same side of you. But this is exactly what I thought about last year um, when that happened, and we know uh, how that ended. Moving on to the 330 slates. The Iron Bowl, Auburn at Alabama on CBS, Oregon at Oregon State in the game formerly known as the Civil War. We cannot say that anymore, so I will bleep it out on the When, on when the did that When did that change? I don't know. I think it was last year, maybe. Okay. I, I just I was listening to Cover 3 today, and they said you can't say Civil War anymore. I, got, I just can't keep up. Just, I, just, I just can't keep up. Uh, <laughs> pretty, soon, is, pretty soon, Paul Bunyan's axe is just, they're going to take the yeah. axe part off of it. It's just going to be Paul Bunyan's stick. <laughs> The battle for the axe takes place 3.30 Eastern on ESPN in Camp Randall. Purdue at Indiana on the Big Ten Network. Wake Forest at Duke. 3.30 Eastern on the ACC Network. Memphis at SMU on ESPN2. Uh, Iowa State at TCU, 4 o'clock Eastern on Fox. Utah at Colorado, 4 o'clock Eastern on the uh, on the Pac-12 Network. Um, a little bit in, interested in Wake Duke. Winner will get to eight wins. That will be just an incredible accomplishment for Mike Elko mm-hmm. in year one. I always love Paul Bunyan's axe. Um, I think it could be a really nice statement win for Jim Leonard if he can get it, kind of leading into his potential announcement of, of being named the head coach um, potentially next weekend. Illinois Northwestern, the number should be in the teens for point total. We'll see if anyone can score double digits. Um, Iron Bowl, Alabama, a 22.5-point favorite. We'll see if Auburn has anything left under Cadillac. What in the 3.30 window uh, do you want to touch on? I was just going to mention, I mean, what what's Alabama's motivation? They're still playing hard. I give them credit for that. They came back against Mississippi, Mississippi a couple weeks ago when I thought it looked like they could have just phoned it in. Uh, obviously played Austin P last week. Um, where Auburn's played better under Cadillac Williams. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to get the job, but uh, they have been playing a little bit better. It's the Iron Bowl, so it's always fun. The um, the game in Oregon, I guess, is what we're supposed to call it now. Um, since you mentioned we can't call it the... <laughs> the, the we can't call it the CW. Um, but uh, that's true. I mean, Oregon obviously has to win this game. If they lose, it, randomly Washington, uh, if they beat Wazoo, will be in the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, which is kind of nuts. Um, and Oregon State's been a, a really, really good team. They gave USC all they could handle um, in Corvallis uh, a couple months ago. So I think those two games, you can't miss the old oaken bucket between Purdue and, and Indiana, uh, one of the oldest trophies also uh, in the Big Ten. Um, and then Louisville, Kentucky. Can Louisville keep up? Well, I think the last month and a half, they've played some really, really good football where Kentucky has done kind of the opposite. I actually have a colleague of mine I talked to today. There, she's a UK grad, and her and her family are going to that game. So, um, yeah, uh, so should be good there. Um, I guess moving down, we, we mentioned TCU and Iowa State uh, in that um, later afternoon area. Texas A&M and LSU uh, kind of starts off the 7 p.m. Eastern time slate. Um, that's an intriguing game. Do you think Jimbo Fisher, uh, he's going to have those guys ready to play in that Absolutely game? Absolutely <laughs> Texas A&M, look, they are a complete toast, man. That is a team that is done. I mean, I'm watching the bottom line. I was at the game with Blaine, and it's we're taking the light rail to Sun Devil Stadium. And I'm like, hey, man, Blaine, like it's a big A&M win. They're up 7 nothing in the second quarter on UMass. Let's go. And it's just like, wait. Texas A&M scored 20 on UMass. That team is is just checked out, man. Yeah. And I think LSU starting to play good football. Like they looked really good against UAB just in a a letdown spot you would expect and LSU just 
blew right by him. And I don't think there will be any look ahead for Brian Kelly and the Tigers. The other big one, Lucas, Notre Dame and USC. Mm-hmm. You know, USC right now, we are recording this prior to the new playoff rankings. I'm guessing USC jumps to like probably five or six. Um, after that win, they may go top four. Because I think, you know, it will be interesting. I'm not, I don't want to get too much into the, you know, playoff discussion, but what will the committee do if a close game ensues in the, in, in the horseshoe uh, and USC beats Notre Dame, you know, let's say Michigan loses 31, 24 mm-hmm. and Notre Dame, you know, USC beats Notre Dame, you know, 38 to 20. Does USC jump Michigan? I would, I would, yeah. I would hope so. I would think so. I don't know. So another good chance. And, and anytime you can watch Caleb Williams, it's fun, man. He is, he is truly special. No, uh, agreed. And I think that's going to be the biggest question. And this is where I hate it. Like if Notre Dame loses to USC, how far do they get down? Um, do they get knocked out potentially out of the top 25 or in the low twenties? Um, and that's why I hate it. Cause like it would be considered a good win now, but if they lose and they drop out, then all of a sudden, USC has no top 20 or doesn't have that top 25 win. So um, I'm intrigued. It's uh, the beautiful outrage is why we, uh, we love this sport, but um, yeah, it also just drives us crazy too. Moving on. How about this? The battle in the sunflower state, Kansas at Kansas state prime time on Fox, eight o'clock Eastern on Fox pit at Miami. I wonder how many tens of fans will show up there for the Hurricanes <laughs> 8 o'clock Eastern. Tickets as low as $3 right oh now. Oh, my <laughs> Lord, man. And then the Apple Cup, Washington, Washington State. Washington will know its fate, essentially. If, if they know if Oregon loses and, and they get a win, they will uh, make it to the Pac-12 championship game. Essentially, if Oregon and Washington lose and Utah wins, it will be Utah and USC in a rematch from a really good mm. game in Salt Lake City. Uh, Lucas, anything else to touch on here before we want to picks? Uh, I was going to say loser of Kansas, Kansas state gets the Nebraska job. Is that the, is that the loser? <laughs> you saying the loser or the winner? The loser, the loser. Oh, the loser. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, it's Kansas six and five or are they seven and four? They're Kansas six, six and five, five right? Six it's, five, it's, yeah. it's so interesting to look at teams where they were in the middle of the season. You know, Kansas was, I think five and oh. Mm-hmm. and like top 15 and they're going to finish seven and five, which again, micro macro, right? If you were to tell Kansas fans, you're going to win seven games, go to a bowl game, they'd be jumping for joy. But if you were to say you guys are five and oh, and hosted game day and then finish seven and five, it's like, Oh crap. What happened? What happened? Right. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's interesting to me. Yeah, no, it, it is. I mean, I don't think any of us had them going bowl eligible. Uh, at all this season, but uh, but it showed. I mean, their their schedule I think was a little light going into that. They just beat up, or they were just able. They were just better than the the teams, and then it it got um, it got brutal uh, on that back end. But uh, and then Kansas State, um, I believe if they win, they are into the Big Twelve title game. So also a huge game on on their side as well. All right, let's get to our picks here, Lucas. I'm sad to say. I'm pretty sure you locked up our picks, uh, our, our season-long picks challenge win here. You went 3-0 and last week. You had a, a really, really good week 12. You had Louisville minus 3.5, Duke plus 7.5, and LSU minus 14.5, all cash. Your season record up to 23-16. and 16. I went 1-2. and two. I won the USC. I won my lock, USC minus 2.5. Lost Michigan minus 17 and a half against Illinois and Oklahoma State plus seven and a half. My season record is 20, 17 and two. So you essentially have like, I think a four, like a three or two and a half game lead with ties. Anyway, it'd be very hard for me to catch you. Mm-hmm. I basically have to go three and oh, and you have to go oh and three. So we'll see what happens here. Um, I will let you go first. And uh, take us where you want to go. You can do your pick, lock, or your upset. Yeah, so I am I'm going to do my my upset first. So um, in what is a, a huge game for both teams, uh, you mentioned it, in the American, uh, Tulane taking on Cincinnati. These have been, you can make an argument, the two best teams uh, in this conference this year. I am taking Tulane plus two and a half um, against Cincinnati. Um, I just think they've been slightly better this year. Um, and they're a better story 
that I kind of want to, to root for. They have to win this, I believe, to get in because I think UCF, if they win, would have a tiebreaker over two line over both these teams because uh, UCF beat both. But um, yeah, I, I'm just going to ride with two lane. They've been the more consistent team, I feel like, uh, this season. Um, so I'm going to roll with two and a half with the two lane green wave. I am also taking a two and a half point dog on the road. I'm taking Mississippi State plus two and a half at Ole Miss. Ole Miss's last four games lost by 25 at LSU, beat AM by three on the road, the really tough loss to Alabama, and the blowout loss at Arkansas. I think this is a team that has really had a really tough schedule down the stretch. Mississippi State gets an FCS team, whereas Ole Miss has to go on the road to Arkansas and get run up for almost 300 yards on the ground. Um, I don't like the way the, the Rebels are playing. I think the Lane Kiffin stuff is real in terms of it being a distraction. So give me Mississippi State plus two and a half on the road in Oxford in the Egg Bowl. And hopefully we get a player urinating on the field again. That would be great. <laughs> I, wasn't gonna say, I wasn't sure if you were looking or when you found this line, but has the line moved since that news from yesterday at all? I, I looked at it about an hour before we started recording. So I don't oh, know what yeah. it was before. It may have been three and a half or something, um, but I got it at two and a half uh, about an hour ago. So, uh, all right. Uh, why don't you give us your pick of the week? My pick of the week, I am – Taking the over 62 and a half in Notre Dame USC, um, largely because look, Notre Dame pretty decent, pretty good defense. Um, I just think this USC offense can score on anybody. I think they at least probably score 40 in this game because I don't think, even though uh, USC's defense is not great, um. I mean, this is still a Notre Dame offense that only scored 14 points against Stanford. Um, it hasn't been great all year. It's not super dynamic throwing the football. Uh, but I'm going to take the over just because I think this is a game where USC puts up a lot of points, and then you have Notre Dame maybe get some uh, extra points in garbage time when this game's already wrapped up. So I'm going to take the over 62.5. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, I mentioned earlier how I think A&M is toast. A&M is done. So give me LSU minus nine and a half on the road in College Station. I think the Tigers are playing well. I think they want to continue to get some momentum heading into their game against Georgia. And I, I just think A&M is done. I think that their players are checked out. I think you might have guys opt out or, or enter the portal or like whatever it is. Um, interested to see what the remaining, what the days after the season are like for Jimbo and for Texas A&M. But I think LSU is going to go in there and handle them. That's a team that's playing good football. Um, and I think they are, uh, they haven't lost since they lost to Tennessee in uh, October. So I think they're playing good football, playing their best football at the right time. So give me LSU minus nine and a half. <laughs> Just, uh, why don't you give us your lock? I will give us, um, so a team that, that lost a heartbreaker this past week. I'm taking Illinois fighting Illini uh, minus 12 and a half at Northwestern uh, this week. Um, I just think Illinois showed a lot of fight last week and Northwestern is bad. This is Northwestern's last game of the year. Um, I think Illinois wants to, to put a, a, a good chair on top of what has been overall a successful season for them, even though they're not going to the big 10 title game. Um, they can still, uh, knock off their rival. They crushed them, I believe last season as well. Um, I don't think uh, Northwestern's going to have an answer for, for stopping Chase Brown um, or really that, that offense in general. And I don't think Northwestern's really going to score at all on, on that stingy yeah. defense. So um, following that loss, I think they finally get a, a big time win. So give me Illinois minus 12 and a half on the road against the Wildcats. All right. I'm going to do it. Ohio state minus seven and a half against Michigan. Uh, I think they're, I, I think they're almost 10 points better than Michigan. I don't like the way Michigan's played. I don't think really besides Penn state, Michigan really hasn't played anyone of note. Um, Ohio state, the win over Notre Dame in week one, is looking better and better. They also have a win over Penn state. Um, I think Ohio state is going to send a statement and, and beat Michigan by like 10 to 14 points. So give me Ohio state minus seven and a half. Don't hate it. I do not hate it. Yeah. All right. Anything, uh, anything else before we, uh, 
we we uh we wrap up our second to last in season pod of the season. Uh, it's just hard to believe. Well, first off, hope everybody has a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the holiday with your loved ones and friends. Eat yeah. a ton of food. Even when you are feeling full, just keep putting food in the stomach. That's what this day is here for. Um, and enjoy uh, some great uh, NFL on Thursday, the Egg Bowl, and then some uh, some college football. So just have a happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Well said, my man. Well said. We'll be back here next week. We'll have probably some coaching news to go over. We'll have some conference championships to preview, some bowl projections. It's going to be fun. For Lucas Rodi, I'm Ryan Baffalucas. Everyone have a great holiday. Have a great night.